You know that feeling you get when you start something new and it's something that you've been really looking forward to with great anticipation, something that you're so excited about and the day has finally come? Maybe it's that job that you've been pursuing and pursuing and you nail it, you finally get it and it's your first day going into that job that may be the job that you stick with for the rest of your life. Or maybe it's a new relationship that has begun and you just got all the butterflies and all the excitement and it's new and it's awesome. Isn't that just the coolest feeling? Maybe it's a new challenge or a new goal that you're getting ready to tackle and you're just so amped up, you can't wait to get after it. Well, when you have something like that that's brand new, if you're like me, you have all this energy, you have all this excitement, you have all this enthusiasm and optimism to go after that thing. And so what I find is that when we run into challenges or obstacles, when things are a little bit tougher than we initially anticipated, we get in and expectations aren't quite what we thought they would be, it's no problem. I mean, we are so fired up, we got so much energy to be able to deal with this thing. It's a piece of cake. We can overcome just about anything. It's like when you go in for that first day of work at your supposed dream job, and you walk in and you see your new boss, and your new boss says, hey, great to see you, but where's my coffee? And you're like, oh, my, my new boss is pretty funny, you know? Where's my coffee? That's a good one. He goes, no, seriously, where's my coffee? You got to bring me coffee every morning. You're like, okay, I mean, but this is still an amazing job, you know? And, and I like Starbucks anyway, so it's no big deal. I'll just change that little pattern in my life, and I'll stop at Starbucks and get my boss a cup of coffee before I go in. Or maybe you're just having a phenomenal first date, and towards the end of that first date, you realize that you're actually second cousins. <laughs> but you're like, you know, man, she is so hot. This has been great. Like, we can work this out, can't we? I mean, this is Virginia. What's the loss? And, you know, I mean, you're just so excited. You're so excited that you can overcome just about anything. It doesn't really matter what it is. I remember for me, it's about uh, 10 years ago now that I came on staff here at Grace Community Church. And um, I remember right when I came on staff, I just thought, this is the most awesome deal in the entire world. Because I'd never worked for a church before. I'd worked in business and I worked in nonprofit. But I was like, you know, pastors only work like one day a week, right? It's just Sundays. I'm getting a full-time salary to work one day a week. I mean, that's, that's awesome. In, in all seriousness, no. Um, I was like, you mean I'm going to get paid to study and learn about God and, and read the Bible and have conversations with people about their faith? I mean, that's what I was really enjoying doing anyway. I was like, this is the greatest job in the world. And so I was like, I will do anything anything there is. Now that's a dangerous thing, right? <laughs> like, I'll just do it. So right early days of grace, we started this um, preschool program, a pre-K program um, at Woodbury Park apartment community. And basically it was just a big need and the church was just beginning and we really wanted to, to just make a huge difference in the world. We were running a, a, a full preschool program to help uh, immigrant families get, get adjusted and ready for kindergarten. And uh, something happened and our director just was gone. Like, and John calls me into his office, he's like, okay, so if you want to do anything, like, tomorrow morning, 
three and four-year-olds, like, you're in charge of the program. We had one assistant, and she spoke very limited English, and our director was gone. So that next morning, I'm like, three and four-year-olds, baby. I didn't know. I had no experience with three and four-year-olds, but I just knew if there were a couple, if, at least if there were only two who were being bad, I could get one in this arm and one in this arm, and I thought I could pretty much contain the situation, okay? So in that mode, when something's new, when it's exciting, we are so fired up. It's like, it doesn't matter what the challenge is, right? We can make this work. We can overcome this thing. But what happens as time starts to march on? What happens when those challenges keep coming and they get more and more complicated and you start to realize, man, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And it's tougher and it's tougher and you realize you're starting to get tired and that initial excitement that you had that initial energy that you were bringing to the table. I mean, that's gone. The honeymoon's over. You're settled in and like it's just a grind. And you're pushing a massive boulder up a huge, steep hill. What do you do then? Maybe that's when things start to flood into your mind. Thoughts like this. Maybe I'm not cut out for this anymore. You know, maybe, maybe this isn't where I'm supposed to be. This is pretty, pretty difficult stuff. So fast forward a couple years, me coming on staff at Grace. And uh, now I've got a couple of small children in the picture. And I'm taking classes in seminary, trying to get my seminary degree. My wife is a nurse. And, so, and we've got a, a house now in Annandale. So we're paying the mortgage. And between my wife's crazy nursing schedule and my work schedule, which was pretty crazy, and then also going to school, it just started to get crazy in our house. And our marriage, just you could just feel it. Like we had no margin. You know what I'm saying? And I started to have these questions. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm not cut out for this anymore. I don't know if, if this is where I'm truly supposed to be. Maybe there are some of you, and you're here this morning, and you can totally relate to that. Maybe some of you feel that way right now in your job or in a relationship. You're starting to question because it's just so tough and you're so tired. What do you do when you're in that place? Well, we're going to look at a group of people who are in that exact place that we just described. We've been looking at the life of a tremendous leader named Nehemiah who lived 2,500 years ago. He wrote a memoir, and it's been preserved in the Old Testament of the Bible. We've been doing this series called Lessons in Leadership. And um, so where we are today is in the fourth chapter of Nehemiah's memoir. Nehemiah chapter 4, if you have your Bible, you want to turn to it, or you can find the words in your, in your outline. Uh, basically, Nehemiah has rallied his people, the Jewish people, to come and rebuild the wall around Jerusalem that has been destroyed. And he's got them all fired up, and he's cast this great vision. And it says in verse 6 is where we're going to start today, chapter 4, verse 6, that they just went after it. Look, what it says, verse 6. So we rebuilt the wall. This is Nehemiah writing. So we rebuilt the wall until all of it reached half of its height. For the people worked with all of their heart. They were fired up. Everything they had, okay, charging ahead. And they're halfway there. But, verse 7, Nehemiah writes, But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, 
They were very angry. Now, what's significant is that he has just named their neighbors to the north, south, east, and west, respectively. So literally, all their neighbors are coming together and like, oh man, we don't like what's happening at all. It says in verse 8, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Nehemiah says, but we prayed to our God and we posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Now, let's see what impact this has on those who were rebuilding the wall. Verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, Judah was the province that Jerusalem was in, okay? Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we can't rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or they see us, we'll be right there among them, and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came, and they told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. So the Jewish people, they started out with gusto going after this wall, giving it everything they had, that initial energy and excitement. They were flying high. And now they're exhausted. Morale is at an all-time low. They're completely overwhelmed, and they're terrified of their enemies. They feel like wherever they turn, they're going to die. The, the enemy propaganda is completely working. And you can just almost imagine the thoughts that were running through their heads. Maybe we're not cut out for this anymore. You know, maybe this isn't what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> I mean, look around us. This is crazy. So Nehemiah, as any good leader knows, is he had to do something in this moment. So he writes in verse 13, Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places. Now this is very interesting. Posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. Now, it says he, he posted them behind the lowest, most exposed parts of the wall. Now, if he were about to go into battle, he wouldn't post his people there, right? That's where they're most exposed. They're the most at risk, most likely to catch a bow and arrow in the head. Why did he do that? Well, strategically, what Nehemiah did was, first of all, they were spread across the whole, like, the whole perimeter of the wall. They were all the way around. And he gathered them in just a, a few key places, had them all together, and basically it was a sign of strength. He posted them in the places where their enemies would be able to look out and see, hey, we're not backing down. We're not going anywhere. You want to fight? Bring it on. Here we go. We are rebuilding this wall. Then, it's, he writes in verse 14, after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, now check this out because this is awesome. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters your wives, and your homes. Nehemiah gathers them all together and he says, listen guys, I know you're exhausted, okay? I know that there's rubble everywhere. This is a total mess. I know you're terrified. Listen to me. Forget about all that. Forget your enemies. 
I know they're all over the place. Forget about them and remember the Lord who is great and who is awesome. The one who has called us to this. And get out there and let's finish this wall. What Nehemiah did in that moment, he brought them all together and he brought them back to the fact, don't miss this. Okay, we see, we see all our enemies, we see the reality around us, but here's this, there's a greater reality. God Almighty is the one who has called us. This is God's city, we are God's chosen people, and God has called us to this task. Now let's remember that and let's get after it. If you're here today, and maybe it's a relationship or a job or some challenge that initially you were so fired up about and you had all sorts of energy and you were just tackling obstacles and jumping over hurdles, and now you find yourself in a place where you're tired and you're questioning and you're wondering, am I still, am I still supposed to be doing this? I don't know if I have the energy to make this happen. This is the key question. If you want to write this in, this is the one blank I want you to fill in this morning. When you're facing adversity you've got to answer this question, especially, especially if you're a leader, if you're leading others, and you've got a team, and you can sense morale is low. You have got to answer this question, first for yourself, and second, for the sake of those you're leading. And here's the question. Is this something that God has called you to? Is this something that God has called you to? Now, that might seem very simple, but let me try and explain. This is extremely profound. So I told you, it was a couple years into me being on staff here at this church, and life was just absolutely crazy. And when life gets to a certain point, the rubble is everywhere, you're exhausted, you feel like you're surrounded by enemies, which were like term papers and stuff like that. You know, I was just, it was crazy for me, and I got to a point where I was just like, I don't know. You know I, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if this is where I'm supposed to be. I, I was on the phone with a buddy of mine that I talked to every week. He lives back in Ohio, and every week we just talk about life, and we pray together, and we just talk about things that are significant. I don't know if you have somebody like that in your life, but it's an incredible thing if you do. And my buddy's name is Jerome. And I was talking to him in this particular season of my life, and I was just like, man, I just, you know, I, I just don't know, man. I don't know if I'm, if I'm cut out for this. I don't know if I can do this. And Jerome listened to me for a while, and then he said, he said Derek, I got to ask you one question. He goes, and to say yes or no answer, is this something God has called you to do? And I said to him, I said, well, you know, it's just kind of complicated because, you know, on one hand, I really enjoy, he goes, no, 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 no. Yes or no, has God called you? I said, well, you know, I think probably, he goes, stop. Yes or no, has God called you? Is this something God has called you to? That was a defining moment for me. A defining moment. Because when you're in that place, the answer to that question, everything hangs in the balance. When I realized that my answer to that question was yes, despite all my circumstances, despite the enemies around me, despite the rubble that was ever, despite how tired I was, despite you know how frustrating it was in that season of my life, I returned back to 
what Nehemiah said. Forget all that. Remember the Lord. If you are here this morning, whether it's a work thing, a relationship thing, maybe it's some big goal or challenge, and initially you were so fired up, and now you're just like, I don't don't even know if I can go through another week of this. The question that you must absolutely wrestle to the ground, and it is a yes or a no. It's not a maybe, probably, I'm not sure. It's a yes or a no. Is this something that God has called you to? Yes or no? If you can get clarity on that answer, all the other details, hear me out, all the other details will work themselves out. Because let me tell you, if the answer is no, then there you go. Now you know what you got to do. But if the answer is yes, all of a sudden, when you remember the Lord who is great and awesome, he's the one who's called you to this, all of a sudden you realize there is something greater than you that's at work and at stake here, you all of a sudden have access to strength you didn't have before, to energy you didn't have before, to wisdom you didn't have before, to patience that you didn't have before. Returning to that question, am I still called? Do I still believe that God has called me to this thing that is killing me right now? Then God will make a way for you to get there. That is the absolute pivotal question in times of adversity that you must answer with a clear yes or no. And let me tell you something. If you are here and you're like, I have no idea. I have no clue. It's not a yes or a no because I don't know. Okay, then let me tell you, you need to figure that out. You need to get some people who can help you figure that out. You need to get to praying and get some people huddling with you and start to talk that thing through until you get clear on whether that is a yes or a no because everything hangs on that question. Is this something that God has called you to? Powerful, powerful question right there. Now, for the last few minutes that we have together, I would like for us to talk about what God is calling this church to. Now, I want to say that if you, this is your first time at Grace, or maybe you still consider yourself new to Grace, don't worry, there's some people peeling out, but they have a special role to play in this service, so that's, that's cool. They're not like dramatically offended, you know, but it's, it's cool. They actually, that's a, that's a good cue right there. Um, but if, this, if you're new to grace, and you didn't just leave because you saw other people leaving, um, then I just want you to know that what I'm about to say is really geared toward people who consider Grace Community Church their home church. may not be here every week, but if this is your home church, I'm actually talking to you. Now, if you're a guest here, you're new here, I hope that this will actually be really helpful in understanding what our church is about and how when you're ready to get involved, you can get involved, but there's no pressure to do that today. Is that fair? Are we cool? Okay, so here's the deal. What God is calling this church to be is a church for people who don't go to church. We talked about this a few weeks ago, back on August 4th, in a message titled, The Power of Vision. We are, our vision at Grace is to be a church that people who don't go to church would love to attend. Now, you may be wondering, what the heck's been with all the boxes and this high jump bar and, and all this, okay? So now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it all to you. 
in order to be a church that churched people would love to attend, the bar is actually relatively low. There are a few basic essentials that must happen for someone who loves God and wants to follow after Jesus to be able to come in here and to feel comfortable and to be able to feel like, okay, this is a church that is going in the right direction. I can plug in and be a part of it. Okay, And basically those things are as long as there's a place to park within like a half a mile and the lights are on and the door is unlocked and then when you come in, people are relatively decent to you. They're not telling you awful things. You come in and the music is on key and they're singing songs about Jesus and that the sermon is biblical and it's relevant. Those things happen. Those are like the key things, the essential things that are needed to be a church for people who go to church. What God is calling Grace Community Church to be is a church for people who don't go to church. We talked about this a few weeks ago on August the 4th. That is the vision. It's to be this church. The people who don't go to church would love to attend. Now, we had this high jump illustration a few weeks back and the high jump bar, and I kind of brought it back, but done something a little bit differently. What we talked about a few weeks ago is the fact that if you are a church for churched people, if that's the vision, to help churched people to feel comfortable and to be a church that churched people would like to attend, the bar is actually relatively low because there's a few essential things that must happen, and there's a lot of other things that don't need to happen. Let me explain. So provided that there is some way to access the facility, that the facility is unlocked and the lights are on and that you can come into the auditorium and the music is like not off key, you know, music's decent and they're singing songs about Jesus and then when the sermon comes on, it's biblically based and it is relevant to everyday life as long as people aren't like throwing stuff at you or being just horrible to you, as long as the people are fairly pleasant, that's really the essential ingredient for a church person to come in and be like, that was good, yeah, that was cool, solid, yeah. Okay, those are, the, those are the main things. So here's the bar. Now, in order to be a church for people who don't go to church, that unchurched people would love to attend, the bar is at a much different place. It's much, much higher. So, if I am an unchurched person, don't worry, these people aren't coming to attack me on stage. They're, uh, they're, they're, part, of my, they're part of my prop. So um, in order to be a, a church that unchurched people would, would love to attend, there are certain things that have to happen. So if I don't go to church, okay, I'm, I'm not a churched person, and I'm driving around, and I've heard that it meets at TJ Middle School, but like I'm maybe at one of the wrong entrances, or I can't, there's no signs out to direct me. Um, or maybe there's no parking spaces anywhere and I'm circling around trying to figure out where, where I'm at. If I don't go to church anyway, I might be like, what am I doing? I don't even go to church. I can't find this place. This must be a sign from God that I'm not supposed to go to church and I might leave. That's exactly why we have a sign team that gets up early in the morning and puts signs all over the place to help people find their way. It's for unchurched people to be directed. That's why we have our parking team that's here to welcome people in and help them to find a spot. It's for people who don't go to church. (laughs) Something funny. That's why we have our greeters 
that actually are outside the front door so that you can see, okay, that's where I'm supposed to go and they're welcoming you in. If I'm someone and I don't go to church and I come in and I'm, I'm kind of in the lobby wandering aimlessly and it doesn't look like anyone really cares that I'm a first timer and I don't know what the heck I'm doing or where I'm supposed to go, then I might not leave right then. I mean, I've driven all the way there. I've parked, I've come in. But I may not be coming back next week. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't know that I feel comfortable. That's why we have a newcomer's table to be able to answer any questions. And our newcomers are looking for people who feel uncomfortable. That's why we have our hospitality area. So when you're just kind of awkwardly in the lobby and as a new person who didn't want to look like an idiot and come late, and then you walk in and everyone's like, hey, there's a new guy. Come, You stand up here. Come on on stage. Let's say how. You don't want to do that if you're new, right? So you're coming early. Well, what are you doing? You're standing in the lobby. That's why we have that food out there and, and the coffee. It's actually not for the church crowd, although you guys are all welcome to it. But you can thank your friends who don't go to church who are coming because that strategically is to help them feel comfortable and help them to start to warm up and acclimate. Now, if I'm someone who doesn't go to church and I've got a couple kids and the kids area just looks really chaotic and I can't tell who's where and who's in charge and how we check in and what that all looks like, am I going to leave my kids there? Or if I leave my kids, what am I thinking about all through the service? (laughs) Are they going to be there when I get back? Are they going to be alive? That's why all of our Graceland team and our Graceland check-in team, they're in those blue t-shirts and blue aprons, and we have that whole check-in system. That's not for church people. You've grown up in church all your life. You know your kids are going to be fine. They're just back there in Sunday school. Nobody's going to take them, especially not your kids. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Might be a blessing. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway. Um, but that's, that's why we have those teams, a whole army of volunteers to help people who don't go to church feel comfortable with leaving their kids. And it goes on and on. How about when you walk in here as an unchurched person, you don't really know where to sit and are there assigned seats and how does that work? We have our ushers team. And they're here purely to help unchurched people feel comfortable. That's why they're there. How about our sound and our production teams? These guys get here early, man, and and they're awesome because one of the things that's so important is that all the elements of our service go well. You know, if our music team's playing and there's all sorts of pops and feedback and stuff, and as we're going through the music slides, if there's like a delay and the lyrics are taking a while popping up, if you love Jesus, right, you're a church person, you're like, it's all good. You know, I know Billy back there and he's cool and we're just here to worship God and it's fine, you know. Because I'm just following Jesus. But for someone who doesn't go to church, think about it. They're not looking at it through that lens, are they? They're like, I, you know, I came for the first time, and I don't know what I believe, but I, I do believe these guys aren't taking church very seriously. So should I be taking church? I mean, you laugh, but think about it. The bar is very high to be a church for people who don't go to church. And you know what's really interesting about all that? Sometimes we get in the mindset of like, I'm going to bring somebody and Well, I sure hope the sermon's good today. You know, everything we've talked about, the sermon hadn't even started. Do you you get what I'm saying? The sermon hasn't even started. And already that person who doesn't go to church has probably made up their mind whether they're coming back or not. So before the sermon has even been vocalized, the person who doesn't go to church has a pretty good idea of whether they felt comfortable and welcome and they're going to come back or they're not. In fact, most studies show 
that the person has already decided, decided what they're going to do for next week, regardless of what happens up here. You might think it all depends on, well, I hope Derek's talk is really good. But it actually is all these different teams here that impact and help us to achieve this vision. And if you look, now, what keeps this bar? What keeps this bar so high? It's, it's a whole army of volunteer teams and volunteers. You guys know it takes 135 volunteers on a Sunday to make Grace Community Church go on a Sunday morning. Do you know that? 135 to be able to truly achieve the vision of being a church for people who don't go to church. Now listen, I I need your help. If you're here and you volunteer in some capacity, you volunteer in some way at Grace, I just need you to stand up for five seconds on the count of three, okay? Five seconds. I know you don't want to. I know it's not why you serve. I just need it as a visual, okay? This is the way you can serve right now, okay? So it's not about you getting recognized. Just get over yourself and stand up, okay? One, two, three. If you're on a team, stand up. If you volunteer, stand. please, just stand up for a minute. Just stand up. Stand up, okay? All right, sit down. You didn't want to be standing up anyway, so there you go. Pressure's off. All right. Now listen, here's the deal, you guys. I want you to imagine what a rush it must have been to be working on that wall under Nehemiah 2,500 years ago. Now, I know it must have been exhausting. There were enemies everywhere. It must have been terrifying, okay? Let's forget about that for a minute, all right? Imagine the thrill of working on something that was a God-orchestrated project and not just seeing the wall go up. This whole wall got built in 52 days. Is that insane? 52 days. But imagine the rush of not just seeing it go up, but of being working on that wall, being a part of it. That must have been absolutely incredible. Now, listen, hear me on this. Obviously, we're not building walls, literally, and we're not dodging arrows as we're trying to do it. And if you read the rest of chapter four, it's a fantastic chapter. You've got to read it. Um, they're actually, they got a tool in one hand working on the wall, and they got a weapon in the other. I mean, they were just insane going out to say, I can't even imagine what a rush it must have been. But let me tell you something. It is such a thrill to not just experience what it means to be a church for people who don't go to church, but to actually be a part of it, to be a part of that wall, to be helping us achieve this incredibly high vision. Do you understand what a rush that is? When you experience a tremendously moving service, it's just one of those, it's palpable. You can feel it. God was at work in the midst of the service. And you realize, you know what? I was a part of this today. I I helped to set up this morning. It was partially because of what God was doing through me that this all happened today. Or when you hear a testimony like we heard a few weeks ago, and we're going to hear many more this fall, and you realize, wow, I was a part of that wall that helped to raise that bar, that helped that person who was far from God to get connected again, and their life is changed. It's different. Do you realize what a rush that is? Now, you know where I'm going with this. I mean, you've seen those tents when you walked in. You know this is all coming to a head, all right? I mean, you can all feel it. I, I, I'm talking every single person, unless this is your first time, you're just a guest here, and God bless you if you are, and you can jump in too if you'd like. 
Now you might be saying, but, 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 wait, 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 Derek, but, but, here's the deal. I mean, I know, you know, I'm serving every Sunday, that'd be so cool, but you know, I, I can't serve every Sunday, and I'm sure that's what it's about. Nope. It's not about serving every Sunday. Do you know the average commitment, it's average, it's not all, some teams are more than others, okay, but the average commitment is one Sunday a month. One Sunday a month. You don't have to be here every week to be involved and to serve on one of our volunteer teams. You may say, okay, that's great, but here's the thing. You know, my schedule is so insane. I mean, sometimes the week before, I get called out of town. I mean, I don't even know what's happening. You know, and, and so it just can't work. I, I got to be someone who follows through on my commitment. I got to be a man of my word. I don't want to let you down. Trust me. Our teams are flexible. Our teams are flexible. This is one of the craziest, most insanely busy cities in the entire world. And there are people, I guarantee you, far busier than you are, with a schedule far crazier than you, and they are serving right now. Right now. It's not a big deal. If something comes up, we always figure it out. We always make a little switch, and something happens. It is all good, okay? We work with you to find something that works for you. But the ultimate goal is, if you consider... Grace Community Church, your home church. That doesn't mean you're here every week, okay? But when you do come to church, this is where you land, okay? This is your home church. We're saying, how, you know, experiencing it is one thing. Awesome. You enjoy it here? Fantastic. But how much more of a thrill to be a part of what's actually happening, that God would be working in you and through you. And so what I want to say to you this morning is if Grace is your home church, we don't want you to miss out on that thrill. We want you to pick a team. And when you go outside, you'll see tents that are set up. And each tent, I think we've got a little slide on this. Each tent, there's like, there's like several main headings, okay? And you'll see the, the red text there are the main headings. And then underneath that, you'll see those, the different teams that you can sign up for. And you go to a tent, and you just can ask that team representative different questions and if you feel like, okay, this is, this is really cool. I think I'd, I'd like to get signed up. They got a clipboard right there. They'll take your information. And then here's the cool part. They'll hand you a brick. Okay? They'll hand you a brick. What we want to do, we've got, we've got this whole Lego wall that we're going to make. Okay? We're going to build our own wall between these two services today. And we want you to take the brick from those smaller tents that you'll see right as you come out. And there's that big yellow party tent. Okay? That's the destination that you want to be at. Okay? That's where I'm going to be. And this is your ticket to get into that tent. That's the party tent. In there, we have some special things in there for our special volunteers. And let me tell you why we're doing this. And this is a little-known fact about grace. If you volunteer here, the Sunday that you're on to volunteer, we actually have a little volunteer VIP room. It's just for our volunteers to be able to refuel and just to let them, hey, thank you for what you do here. You are a difference maker here at this church. And so we want, we want to give you a little taste of that today. Now, here's the other thing. If you're here and you've got kids, you're like, well, I'd love to do it, but you know, I've got to bolt and get my kids. It's cool. We, Graceland actually said they're going to hold the kids 10 extra minutes. Their lesson, they've planned out their lessons to go 75 minutes today. Okay, so we're at 65 minutes in to our service. It's 1035. The lesson's not even done until 1045, parents. Okay, so we don't even want you to go back. We want you to go to the tent. Find a team. You'd be amazed. At many of the teams you can actually serve, bring your kids right along. Talk about a great lesson to show your kids. This, this, is how, this is how we give back. This is how we serve God. Let's do this as a family. You want to teach them, let's learn by doing. 
okay? So what I'm going to do is I want to pray for us. I want to uh, dismiss us. And I want you to just go right out those doors, make a beeline. Maybe you're already thinking about one of those teams. Go hang out. Go visit a couple different tents until you find a team. And then we will work with you to make it work with your schedule, okay? Man, Graham's already had now. This is beautiful. Go, baby. Go, all right? So let me pray for us, and then we're going to go. God, thank you so much for the fact that you have called this church to be a church for people who don't go to church. We thank you for calling us to such a high standard to reach people, God, who maybe have just been so kind of fed up but haven't totally given up. We, we want to be a church that is about welcoming and bringing them in and for all of us to learn and grow together. Lord, I, I pray that every single person here would, would, would catch this visual of how in order for us to achieve your vision, it just takes all of us working together, being used by you. I pray every single person who's here that calls this church their home church would go and would take a step today. If they don't find anything they're super excited about, just send them to something. Get them going and let them be a part so that we would experience the thrill and the rush of not just experiencing, but being a part of it. In Christ's name, amen.